If you love what you're listening to here, you are going to love our 21 day magical self care challenge. This is more than just a challenge. It is a community and it includes our magical self care course and two PDF books, the magical self care book and the born magic book both bestsellers on their release date on Amazon, and we can't wait to get them into your hands. Join us for the 21-Day Magical Self-Care Challenge. And by the end of the class, you are going to have some new magical tools in your tool belt, and you are also going to feel supported, and you're going to have the steps to easily and efficiently bring self-care into your life as the foundation of your life so you don't have to seek it out every day because your whole life will be built on magical self-care. Check out the link to join us in the 21-day challenge and we can't wait to see you in there. Aquarius season is upon us, my friends. It's been upon us. It'll be here for a little bit longer. Uh, Aquarius, it's a time when the sun transits the 11th sign of the zodiac, Aquarius, which is known for forward thinking, innovative thought, and sometimes rebellious nature. Our astrologers love to refer to Aquarius as sort of the scientist of the zodiac, putting pieces together and thinking about how we can improve the world for everybody. As an air sign, Aquarius brings fresh ideas and a desire for change and progress. So Aquarius is not a stagnant sign. It likes change. It likes progress, likes to think to the future, new, exciting, like I said, rebellious, kind of shake things up ideas. Aquarius season is beautiful for envisioning the future, connecting with others on a humanitarian level, and embracing our unique selves. Aquarius is an unique energy, and it brings that out in all of us. So we're going to talk more about Aquarius in today's podcast episode. If the word witch makes you feel full of power and excitement, if you love personal development but loathe boring love and light conversation, if a sexy combo of witchery and inner work piques your interest, you're in the right place. Welcome home, Magic Maker, and welcome to Expedition to Soul, the podcast brought to you by the Sisters Enchanted. This year, Aquarius is a particularly potent sign for us. The planet Pluto has been in Capricorn for, I think, about eight years. And Pluto is the sign of power and power structures, or it's the planet of power. I think I called it a sign. It's the planet or, I don't know, poor Pluto, downgraded. Anyway, the planet of power how we use power in our lives, how we see power around us. And it's been in Capricorn for a while. It's a planet, planetoid, that moves slowly. And it's about to move into Aquarius for like the next eight years or so. Uh, my maths, I don't, I actually did not confirm the number of years, but it'll be there for like eight years. And it has been moving between Capricorn and Aquarius, um, sort of going retrograde and whatnot for about the last year. So we saw this in 2023 and it's still doing it at the beginning of 2024 here, but it's going to station direct. So not retrograding in Aquarius. It will be in Aquarius in the fall of this year. And that's where it's staying for a while. 
So all of this kind of combustion we've been seeing between structures, think the structure of Capricorn and getting things done, and then Aquarius breaking up those structures. We've been seeing that a lot in the last year. And while Pluto won't stay in Aquarius until later this year, as we move into Aquarius season for ourselves, this is an energy to keep in mind because we've been seeing it all around us. Pluto's move into Aquarius is going to mark a significant shift on a global scale. So knowing now how you relate to Aquarius can be really interesting as we move into that. Pluto's that planet of, like I said, power, but also transformation, death, rebirth, and it's going to bring profound changes in all areas ruled by Aquarius, like technology, society, collective movements. Like I said, everything we've been seeing in 2023 is going to keep forward, keep moving forward. So with that energy coming, we're really asked to consider what needs to be revolutionized in our lives and society to embrace the transformative energy that it brings, right? So the sun is in Aquarius. And if you don't know your birth chart, now's a great time to check that out and look and see what's in Aquarius for you. We do teach astrology fundamentals as part of our holistic witchery program. So if you've not checked that out, be sure to check it out because we will teach you enough to be dangerous in that portion of holistic witchery. But wherever Aquarius is for you is where this is all going to highlight. For me, for example, I have Aquarius in my eighth house. And my moon and my Jupiter are both in Aquarius. My eighth house, though, is ruled by Capricorn. So I might feel some of this push and pull between the structure and the revolutionizing, right, that I just described because they're both mingling together for me. And then if I look around in my personal life, my husband's also an Aquarius moon and we were married under an Aquarius moon. So for me to constantly check, well, what's Aquarius touching right now? Because that's impacting all the deep inner stuff all around us in our family unit. And with the sun there, we might be seeing it more for us. So knowing what's in Aquarius in your birth chart is going to help you apply all of this information even more and make it relevant to you. So Aquarius is an earth sign. It resonates with the intellectual and communicative nature and energy of the suit of swords in tarot as well. So those are both air. Now there are more, there's more than one air zodiac sign. And we're going to talk about this in just a minute about how Aquarius specifically relates to the suit of swords and tarot. But tarot is another way that you can tap into this energy and explore what's going on for you. So Aquarius and the suit of swords both challenge us to cut through illusions and really face everything that's going on for us. Face the truth. <laughs> They're both representative of mind, thoughts, conflict, Aquarius and the suit of swords. So illusions, breakthrough illusions, face the truth. And understanding Aquarius energy, we can look at the suit of swords as a tool for insight, particularly focusing on the deeper thoughts and internal conflicts that we see in the eight, nine, and 10 of swords. So there's three air signs. And Aquarius is the third air sign, which means it is the most wise, experienced, mature of the air signs. And when we look to the end of the suit of swords, we have the eight, nine, and 10, which are the swords. If you're not familiar with tarot, they really are, they, they look very, uh, they can look pretty uncomfortable. So the eight of swords is a person kind of trapped in a cage of swords. The nine of swords is often called the nightmare card. And the 10 of swords is a person lying on the ground, stabbed in the back with 10 swords. 
Uh, and when we are looking at this, we can feel like these scenes of entrapment, worry, ruin are upon us with tarot, right? But this also reminds us of the power of our thoughts and the importance of facing our fears and anxieties to move forward. And this is all energy that we can explore with the sign of Aquarius when the sun is in Aquarius. So the eight of swords represents feeling trapped and blind to the reality all around us. During Aquarius season, it's a call to break free from the mental constraints we've placed on ourselves to see the world from a new, more liberated perspective, right? So that eight of swords represents feeling trapped, blind to the reality around us because we feel like we don't have any choices. And Aquarius is really asking ourselves to break free from the mental constraints that we've put on ourselves here. The nine of swords really speaks to our inner worries and fears. Like I said, the nightmare card and we're urged by the nine of swords though, to confront the shadows, to find clarity and peace and realize what's a nightmare and what's reality here. And with the 10 of swords, this can be the card of betrayal or endings. We're reminded that with every ending comes a new beginning. There's always a glimmer of a sunrise in the background of the Ten of Swords. And it's a message to release what no longer serves us so we can make way for the new and innovative ideas that Aquarius brings. Because Aquarius is always bringing those new and innovative ideas. But in order for them to stick, we do have to, we have to face our fears and we have to let go of what no longer is serving us, even if it's hard and even if it feels like a betrayal to ourselves or to other people. And we can work with tarot and Aquarius together to see this in ourselves. Like, where is this coming up for us? So whether or not you know astrology, you can still dig into these themes in your life and help understand what is going on for you and how you might apply this energy to what's going on for you right now. So while the suit of swords and Aquarius energy push us toward progress and change, they also warn us not to get too lost in our thoughts, which is something you can definitely see with Aquarius and also the suit of swords warns us of that as well. The eight, nine, and 10 of swords can represent becoming too detached from reality, lost in our fears, or overwhelmed by the thought of change. And Aquarius season is a time to balance visionary ideas. So all of these ideas you have for the future, how things could be different, how you want to break out of your shell with practical steps to ensure we stay connected to the present and the truth of our situation. So getting lost, totally lost in the clouds and not coming back to see what's true right now and what are the practical steps I can be taking is never helpful. We want a healthy mix of getting lost in thought, visioning, you know, what are these world changing ideas for ourselves and what are we actually going to do to make them happen? So as you move through Aquarius season, which like I said, we're already in, the sun's already in Aquarius, consider how you can harness the, this energy for personal growth because that's what uh, really Aquarius loves. It loves that progress, that innovation, that change. Reflect on the areas of your life that need transformation and how you can use your unique talents and ideas to make a difference. Use the suit of swords, if you like tarot, to guide your thoughts and help you cut through to that truth, though. Remember, tarot is a tool for reflection. It's a beautiful, inquisitive tool when we use the cards and look at one and really see what questions we can ask ourselves based on the cards we're looking at. And later this year, like I said, Pluto stations in Aquarius, where it stations direct, be prepared for changes it will bring and, and embrace those opportunities for rebirth, um, renewal, reinvention. And we can start now by looking at what's going on for us with the sun in Aquarius. 
So we dream about the future, but we're also taking steps to create it. Celebrate your individuality with the sun in Aquarius. Aquarius loves being an individual. Let me tell you, between me and my husband, both being Aquarius moons and being married under one, we love our individuality. We both think we're right all the time. And that's kind of the energy of Aquarius, though, is understanding where your head is and what's actually true in front of you, because they're not always in alignment. And we can lean into that big dreaming energy of Aquarius. And we got to back up, though, to make sure we're taking steps based on what's true in front of us right now. So let the innovation soar, face your fears with courage, because without facing your fears, those thoughts you have won't matter and be prepared to allow the transformation to occur for you. Now, if you've taken our expansion archetypes quiz, there's another element that you can use to explore Aquarius season and how this works for you. And we'll be sure to put the quiz in the notes and links and things for you. But if you know your expansion archetype and you just want to get to the quick of some journal prompts without looking at your birth chart or pulling tarot cards, we have those for you over on a blog post that accompanies this episode. So you take the quiz, find your expansion archetype, and you can go right to those journal prompts. They're also in our free Say Magic magazine. Um, but if you're a mapper, mapper is aligned with uh, earth energy. So Aquarius season uh, while it's about thinking outside the box and innovation, you might want to consider how you can incorporate creative thinking into your process planning or your planning for the future. So mappers can get really, really stuck in planning and not wanting to do the wrong thing. And then they won't take action based on that. And Aquarius season can help you shake that up if you lean into that creative thinking energy of Aquarius. Our seers um, seers love to be unconventional <laughs> as it is. And Aquarius is very unconventional. So how can you really deepen into that during this season? I would ask you, like, how can you let that unconventional part of yourself just really soar and take the main stage during this time? Um, our dreamers love to dream about the future, but can get really caught up in the past and thinking, well, if only this could have, should have, would have been, then I'd be able to do this. And since it wasn't that way, I guess I can't do anything or therefore won't do anything. Um, but dreamers also have a lot of ability to imagine and imagine what could be for them if they can just detach from the past. And because Aquarius is all about that transformation, now's a really great time to do that detaching and think about, what are your really unconventional dreams for the future? Because Aquarius season can help you realize them and see them in a new light. Our adventurers also looking at that unconventional part of Aquarius. I said that really weird unconventional part of Aquarius. Um, our adventurers, what sort of what adventures are you planning right now? Now, an adventurer really is more about the fact that they will say yes quickly or do things without thinking than actually going on adventures. But our adventurers who might be thinking of acting quickly on taking an adventure, going somewhere, um, starting something new, really thinking how could that encourage your personal growth right now? because that might be an unconventional way for you to do some shadow work and grow in whatever it is you're working on growing. And then our wanderers here really love coming up with new ideas and trying new things and starting new projects. And Aquarius can certainly support you in that um, and support you in trying new, trying new things. So really let that energy of Aquarius, that innovative energy 
uh, fuel your desire to bring innovation to your life by trying something you haven't tried before. So Aquarius can support all five of those archetypes. Uh, so you can take the quiz and find your archetype if you want to do that. You can explore Aquarius energy through your birth chart or through tarot. I gave you three different ways to explore Aquarius energy. But now you know about it. And yeah. There you go. Aquarius season. It's upon us. Enjoy the ride. Pluto's about to amplify it for all of us <laughs> later this year and beyond. All right. Be sure to check out the blog post that goes with this episode because I said a lot of words and you'll want to look through them so that they make sense to you and you know how to apply them and implement them in your life in a useful way. Thanks for hanging out. Until next time, I hope that you have an enchanted rest of your day ahead. But wait, before we head out of today's podcast episode, we're going to break for a Ask Me Anything segment. Okay, let's do an Ask Me Anything. Today's Ask Me Anything. The question was, if I can summarize it, about um, curbing the stigma of generations before you around the which things if you feel like people who came before you certainly did witch stuff, but didn't look at it that way and now have feelings about what you are doing. Or maybe there were people in your life who you feel like maybe they were witches or maybe had some like witchy beliefs, but they certainly wouldn't say that or you're not sure if they would and you don't know how to bring it up. Okay. Firstly, I, I remember that when it comes to the word witch and the way we use it in our modern history is or our modern time is not the way it has been used historically for years and generations before us. So people who were um, persecuted or convicted of witchcraft in the past would not have been people who were witches as we would use that word today. They were often people who um, just like were scapegoats for something or maybe women who weren't married or even men who had land but wouldn't give it to the to like the government or something like that uh, as one example from history uh people who didn't go to church really just people right people who were outside the box people rebellious people homeless people um unwed mothers older women who were widowed and didn't leave the house or something. And then if there was a problem in the community as a way to have something to blame it on, the people in power would then accuse these folks of witchcraft and say, well, that's what's causing it. Not like poor leadership or the weather, which we can't control, but like whatever. And so people who were persecuted as witches were blamed for a lot of things and were not witches as we would use the word today. Even midwives, healers, uh, herbalists likely did not use the word witch to describe what they were doing. It would have been like healers, midwives, herbalists, whatnot, um, you know, natural healers, faith healers, those kinds of things. And so when we think of people being witches, it is pretty, I would say, common for even women before us, generations past, who were herbalists, healers, maybe people who were intuitive, people who had the sight, so to say, say um, tea leaf readers, people who did maybe palm readers, or uh, if they did have tarot cards or something similar, like a divination tool, water dowsing, pendulum dowsing was um, before tarot didn't really get popular again until the 60s in the US. So um, different kinds of dowsing, though, 
like scrying methods, uh, people who did those sorts of things, they probably wouldn't have used the word witch because of the way it's been used historically. How, so if you are wanting to have this conversation with people in your life, I would connect based on words they used and what they did, not the word witch, because there is a very modern, it's a pretty modern construct, the way that we're using the witch word witch today, as opposed to how it's been used historically. Um, so if you have somebody in your life who you felt like had the site or was a medium or a psychic medium or somebody who did, um, you know, palm reading or use some kind of pendulum dousing or, or something like that, use those kinds of words to describe it, you know, herbalism, midwives. I think it is very, very common um, for generations before us, though, to not share their stories and not talk about their lives because it was pretty taboo, right, to just share your personal story with people. Women didn't talk like we do today. And if they did, it was like very behind closed doors. We're not out there on social media sharing their lives like we are today. So it all makes sense that um, generations before you did not share their information. Now, depending where you live in the U.S., or most people that listen to this are in the United States. Um, some Canada, England, so this can apply maybe to you in different ways. But in the United States specifically, depending on where you live, there are also different practices that are influenced by different cultures. So in the Appalachia Mountains, Appalachian Mountains, for example, you might hear of granny witchcraft or Appalachia witchcraft or folklore. Uh, and we'd see like different kinds of what might look like um, almost like superstitions, but really it's a lot of, uh, stuff that we would do <laughs> today in a modern witch practice. Um, and very much influenced by granny witchcraft. If you live in the South, then you might be very much influenced by practices that came with, um, enslaved folks, um, enslaved people and like, uh, different, candle burning, for example, or Haitian, um, Haitian voodoo might be influenced in that way if you are in like southeastern part of America. So wherever you are too, the things that your family has done that you are asking questions about, I would also look at, again, you know, your history, where people came from, because they may be doing things again, that they would never have said the word witch attached to. Uh, and it, we are using it as a modern way today. And I would use the terms or language that they would have used um, to connect with them on that level, because it, they're probably thinking of it very different than you are thinking of it. In, in the 60s and 70s in the US is when we really saw the rise of um, Wicca come into play. Before that, there was in the late 1800s, early 1900s, spiritualism, which was um, communicating with those who've passed on, uh, kind, of, kind of like mediumship, a little bit different. And again, depending where you live, though, these different things that were going on might, might have been different. Uh, my grandmother was born and raised in Kentucky and then Southern Illinois. And as an example, she was, her family her siblings and herself were delivered um, at birth by traveling midwives. And so they used probably, she won't talk about it, but she also never asked questions about it. <laughs> she was so eager to live in the modern world, right? And it probably with herbs and healers, female um, midwives and herbalists and healers helping with all of that and the care and the birth and whatnot. 
which very much is something that I'd be very interested in, right? Like herbal healing and how did that happen? And I tried for a home birth for my first daughter. My grandmother thought I had totally lost the plot and <laughs> needed to not do that. And it's so interesting how two generations disconnect based on the um, modern ways society has talked to women in the last 100 years. So if you are a person looking to bridge the gap with generations or people still living who are older than you, a generation ahead of you, and you want to talk about that history, I would use terms that they're using and keep in mind that um, the freedom we have to chat is not the same freedom that they may have had. And they probably are not looking at the word witch in the same way that you are, I would guess. I mean, I might be wrong. Obviously, I don't know everybody in the world. But that's something to consider when you are having that conversation is that they might very much say they were born with the sight or they were born with the intuition or the knowing or the calling or whatever they might call it, where you would say, uh, like, that's part of being a witch, right? So consider those nuances in communication as well. All right. If that's um, if this hits home for you at all, I hope it was helpful today. We'll do another Ask Me Anything next time. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you in the next podcast episode. If you love the podcast, be sure to leave us a rating or a review that helps us to get the word out about all we're doing here at the Sisters Enchanted. Thanks for being part of our community, and we'll see you in the next episode.